this is going to be a great uh, time as we actually are going to do this as an interview to kind of, uh, as the Herbers reveal and share all that God uh, has done and is doing in their hearts. So, um, yeah, we'll just get going here, Robert and Steph, and also welcome to a few of the Herber kids in the front row. Good to see you guys. Um, how's it feel to be back? Oh, we love San Diego. Great. This is the greatest place San Diego in the world you. to live. Oh, thank you, Kendall. <laughs> Do we look sabbaticalized? My hair? Absolutely. <laughs> it was the sun. You look oh, just yeah. like the college pastor I had. Uh, wow. This is all 17 this years is ago. all natural. This is what being in the sun does. That's and, amazing. And this is natural, too. <laughs> <laughs> just holding on for dear life over here. Okay. So <laughs> ex explain to us. You see why I go away? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant my own hair. Oh, oh, That's oh. what I'm trying to say. Like, hey, we're both aging as we go hey, through what this what we know from the Bible is together. don't that curse was not a bald man, right? Um, <laughs> Well, hey, let's uh, kind you know of get back to what God is doing and uh, look at what is a sabbatical real quick. This is a word we've been using, and it's good right. to define it. Right, yeah. So in Genesis, we immediately see how God sets up a seven-day week. God's all about seasons. Mm -hmm. Sets up a seven-day week. He says you're going to work six days, and then God rested. It says he rested, he blessed it, and he made it holy. Great. And so he tells us to rest. Well, then you see this carried out not only in a week, but you see it in year periods in the life of his people in Exodus chapter 10, also in Leviticus 25, where he says, now the land, you're actually going to give the land, so we're going to we're gonna work, we're going to sow seed, we're going to uh, reap harvest, but then we're going to actually, after six years, we're going to give a, a Sabbath rest for the land. And so that's where we get this idea of a sabbatical, of taking a rest after seven years and uh, we have the best jobs in the world. We, we absolutely love what we do. They're also pretty intense. So preaching every week, pouring out, uh, counseling people in their biggest crises of life. And also for us, as we plant churches around the world and are constantly traveling, um, it can be uh, a wipeout. And so our board of advisors has said, you're going to uh, take a sabbatical every, every seven years. So we, had, we just got off of two months of that kind of rest, refreshment, and rejuvenation. And did you come back to a little bit to do? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, right, there's a reason we needed a sabbatical. <laughs> we, the day after sabbatical, we went to youth camp. And uh, Great. youth don't rest much. Mm. And uh, so we were on their schedule and preached a couple times. And, um, and then we went straight from there to meetings, at four days of meetings in Seattle. And we went straight from there to our staff uh, planning retreat. So... So I'm um, actually looking forward to my next sabbatical. Starts next week, here. right? Yeah, <laughs> good. Well, um, I know there's so much that you want to share that that God has put in your heart. Maybe before we get there, let's look back for a minute. I remember, um, you know, your first sabbatical about seven years ago, and it was such an amazing time for you guys. And you came back actually with this directive from God: we're going to start World Mandate West. And I just think of the fruit that that has borne, church. These churches being planted. People being felt sent like time overseas. To, time to start World Minute West and start time to start building for church planting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was the other piece. And now yeah. you can go out and look at that wall mm -hmm. and see the pictures yeah. of all the church plants. Mm -hmm. We're going to run out of room on that wall. <laughs> um, That's why we're building a bigger building. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the wall. There it with is. The pictures. So, hey, um, so just as you reflect on the last seven years, what are some highlights? What encourage you guys? 
Well, the the night before we left, this is kind of a, a picture of something that so touched my heart. We were having the meeting um, in Del Cerro uh, with the neighbors and the different officials about the light project, which is going so great. That we, meeting was awesome. We've had so much favor. Thank you for praying. Please keep praying that through. And then you surprised me and said, hey, we're actually having a dinner for you to send you off. And I I come over, uh, we, we come over in, to a restaurant and the whole tables is full of our staff men and a few of our, our uh, church planting uh, men. It was kind of like a last supper. Uh, praise God, no one betrayed me. It's good. <laughs> and, um, but you know, that was a great picture of, wow, when we started this church, there were just a few of us that came out that the church didn't even fill our whole living room. And then to have a table of just these incredible men of God, these deep relationships, every, every man, you know, represented a family, a wonderful wife and, and, and children. God has built a sweet community. We are in love with all people's church. And um, so, so feel like the richest people in the world to get to be a part of this community. And then, um, Kendall, we... We first started with, we had a little more work to do. So that took us to South Africa. Got a pastoral visit, right? Exactly. So uh, we went to All People Stellenbosch. Did you guys enjoy hearing from Pastor Ricky and, and Tiffany this summer? Um, so that church had launched public services about six weeks before. So we got to go and preach in that service. But I just sat, I put myself right in the middle, right where Latina and Tamara are, uh, in, in kind of in the seats and I just wept the presence of God in that place. I, I love all churches. Like I visit all kind of traditional churches, small churches, big churches, contemporary churches. Every week, so, even on vacation. Like I your know. Family. Like, yeah. So I'm kind of like a churchaholic. But, um, <laughs> but there's something about a church that hosts the presence of God where you feel God is here. And these people aren't doing a, a religious experience. They are meeting with the living God, and that is what was going on in our church. And then I'm looking around, and it's in the township. So that is uh, like the poorest part of the area. It's like, you know, it's almost like a, in South Africa, townships like a slum in India, right? And we're meeting there, but it's the poorest of the poor and then the wealthy, you know, vineyard owners, and then it's all different ethnicities. It was all people's church. And we, we talk about this township all the time, but these are some of the most broken places on earth. Yeah, and the South African pastors are talking to our to Ricky and Tiffany saying, we, this is what the church should be doing. We couldn't do it because there's so many holdups. But, and, and so I'm just weeping. And I'm also, uh, we meet with the team afterwards, and each one of them is either a couple or a single whose lives have been transformed in this church and been restored. And so what has happened is what happened in them is being multiplied out in another nation of the world. And so the it was so fulfilling to sit in those seats and go, it works! The church works! The church is the hope of the world! And, it, and even so fun to hear the South Africans going, we're here to get rocked! And it's like, get rocked! And, you know, uh, get real! Uh, you know, it, it, it's just amazing to see this model that God's given us taken around the world. You need to get a video made of everyone's accents all, the, all across the world. Steph, what was it like for you? Looking back. Yeah, looking back. So I think a couple things. Um, it's so encouraging to think, wow, we've gone from a church plant 
to a church that's established in our city, having influence in our city, and then from being an established church, we're now planting churches, and that's just so encouraging, and I, I, I think about just the lives that fill this, this church, that make up this church. It's just life effort after life has been transformed by the power of God. You guys have really pressed in to call out to God, to seek God, to know friendship with God, and you've seen God do amazing things in your life, and it's just, we could be here for hours just celebrating the different things that God's done the past seven years in the different lives of this church. I uh, was so encouraged uh, as we were out at youth camp. Um, actually, he's in this service, but Jean-Pierre, I was watching him out at youth camp. He, I had him as a young kid in our in our kids' ministry when they uh, were a young refugee family that came from Africa, and they jumped in to this church, and I had Jean-Pierre in the children's ministry, and he went through those years, and he's uh, actually an older youth now, and he's just, I saw, I was watching him worship up front. I mean, he is just uh, becoming a young man of God, just full of faith and expectancy, and I'm like, Thank you, God. This works. I mean, what an encouragement to be the church, to be a place where people can come in and experience the life of God, get transformed, and become young men and women of God. So it's just so encouraging. You are encouraging. a great example of, of, of following yeah. after God. We're very Way proud of you. Yep. That's awesome. So just getting practical Sabbatical is a very unique experience. Everyone can rest, right? We have the Sabbath that God has given us. So just maybe a good discipleship moment for us would be, what's it look like to really get time to rest and seek God? Yeah, um, one of the things we did was we slept in. 11.30, 12, 12.30. <laughs> I wish. You get older and you're like, I'm really going to sleep in tomorrow. Pink, 7 o'clock. <laughs> Why? Going to bed, you know. Um, but, but, man, it... You know, God made sleep, and so we we slept. And then um, I think about this. I think that might be the only thing some people hear in this message, but there's a lot more coming, so don't just take that one away. I know the 830 crowd didn't get it, but you guys are like, oh, yeah, that's why we're here at 1130. Yeah. You were obeying the Bible, right? We are the people of God. Um, the, uh, but I think about these verses, Kendall, like, Taste and see that God is good, or in his presence is fullness of joy, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so to have time, we would, we would set aside from the time we woke up until about noon, we wouldn't do anything but just seek the Lord. So to have that kind of time to dive into scripture, we love the Bible. Do you know that not every generation has had the Bible? I mean, right. it's, uh, and so we, we would dive into the Bible. I mean, what we do is we do the Bible in a year up, so we're reading through the Bible, but then, you know, we could really chew on it, and then uh, I'd take a, you know, hour and a half or more, just prayer walk. I'm a nature guy. Steph cuddles up in a little chair, and, you know, and I just, I'm ADD. I have to be walking and, you know, just... Uh, taking ground and uh, but just just praying forever. I just walk around and talk out loud. I mean, that's why I need to go to like a isolated spot so people don't think I'm insane. Um, but um, that was just amazing. And then time to just sit in silence and listen and and journal. And of course, we'd get up and and have breakfast with our kids. Uh, they got up a little later than we did. 
and would have our devotional time. But um, we were we really took that first part of the day every day to spend time with God, and it was just awesome. Yeah, it was just a great time to just to look back at the promises of God that He's given us over the years, pull them out, and pray them, and just really uh, just a great time to just memorize some scriptures that you love and want to get fresh revelation on. So it's just, it's wonderful. And on, on a side note, I think just, you know, obviously we were on a longer sabbatical time, but just what a gift um, God has given us to have one day of rest a week, you know? And um, I think as the, the people of God, we really want to honor that because there's just something that happens on that day that just rejuvenates us and makes us ready for um, the week, you know, for the work week. And so I just want to encourage you to prepare for your Sabbath. You know, we prepare for so many things, but sometimes we forget to prepare for our Sabbath, the day of rest. So, Did you pick up some new hobbies along the way? I mean, of course I did. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but here's why. It's biblical. It's, there it it's is. good for you, Kendall. Uh, that, you know, the word recreation comes from the Greek word to recreate and we're recreated in the image of God. And so, yeah, I mean, I was fly fishing in the ocean. I learned to spearfish. We were snorkeling, jumping off waterfalls, kayaking. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you something? Please. Um, this here. So here's the first day of sabbatical. You know, Great. so we started our sabbatical in South Africa. And so Ricky knows that I like to fish. So he said, I'm going to take you fishing in this, I mean, we're in this beautiful lake overlooking the mountains, and oh, sorry, and um, and Hudson and I are in one kayak, and, and Joshua uh, is in another kayak with another guy, and we're not catching anything. And I remember how Joe Ewan, you know, that comes in and preaches the Scot, the Scotsman. He's always like, I take authority over the fish, and so he, I was like, he, he I go, prays over his I fishing. Go, I go, Hudson, we haven't prayed, so I was like. I didn't say it in a Scottish accent. I was like, I take authority in Jesus' name. And Hudson, it was like straight out of the Bible. He was like, cast on that side of the boat, Dad. <laughs> he nails it. He goes, cast on that side, right in, points to the spot. And, and I throw right there. I'm serious. Like right after the prayer, right after he says that, I caught an eight-pound largemouth bass. Wow. And I immediately go like, I have my boys with me. I'm like, this is a miraculous catch. Imagine the fish you would have caught with a Scottish accent. Great. <laughs> so fun. So many family memories. I'm sure it'll, it'll mark your family for years to come. Uh, you know, I think of your own family story, how you moved around San Diego, and God definitely taught you things at each place you lived, and then obviously our church family has moved a ton. We've been here for a bit, but we've really met in a lot of different places, and there's been a spiritual journey that God's brought us through on that. And your sabbatical was a little bit of a journey, too. Started in yeah, and, South Africa. And I Africa. wouldn't suggest that to people. I wouldn't say, mm -hmm. like, just try to go to all these places. But we were just trying to follow the hand right. of God. and, and um, Yeah, God was orchestrating something. It was beautiful. So, so what did you learn at each waypoint? How, how did it all come together? So Let's start in South Africa. After, after the miraculous catch, um, Ricky says, hey, Robert, I know you're a student of revival. And he hands me a book about the revival that took place in South Africa 100 years ago. Um, Andrew Murray, some of you have read some of his works on prayer. He was a kind of a central figure in that. And so I'd sit, you know, they don't have central heating in those South African homes. So I'd be like, it was, and it's winter. So I'm in front of a wood-burning stove with my San Diegan skin, you know, freezing and reading this book. But um, 
It was amazing to see this common denominator in, in really all revivals is that it always starts with someone who is praying with all their heart for God to visit. And a revival is, is a time when a people are visited by God and the manifest presence of God is felt, the nearness of God is felt by all, and everyone, it's just like they lock in on God, and God is the priority, and people are being set free, and then the lost are coming because they hear of what's going on, and they're drawn in, and repentance just starts happening, and it's, it's a season of refreshment and renewal that often changes culture. And while I'm reading this, I'm like, this is what we're called to. Like, this is what all people's church is called to. We're not just called to have a Sunday church. We want to see a revival. Amen. And, and, and then I'm learning that Andrew Murray would listen to his father because his father had been called from Scotland to South Africa. And he'd, he'd watch his father just go into a study, close the door, and he'd hear him just calling out, Oh, Lord, would you visit our land? Would you visit my city? And what, I, what I've seen and saw in that book, once again, is that revival always starts with just several people that just have a commitment that I am going to pray. We are not content until revival comes, and then it spreads. And Steph and I, on the sabbatical, one of the biggest things, and you'll hear a lot more about it, uh, is just both on the same day, we both felt all people's church, all people's movement is called to be a movement built on prayer. And... Uh, I, we've always been people of prayer, but I just feel like it's it's time to go to the next level. And prayer is getting to be with our Father. Kind of excited about this. That's awesome. Commercial break. Next Monday is our first uh, churchwide family prayer gathering for for the fall. And you know, it's hard for us to be a people of prayer if we're not gathered as a people. And so really want to invite you to press in, and we're going to be pressing in this on, on a new level. And so if you feel called to that, or if you're like, I'm interested, but I don't know how, there'll be something for both those groups of people in our, in our corporate prayer gathering. So anything else on that before we move on? Well, I, I think just being in South Africa, it was such a gift to, you know, we move so fast in life, and especially in our country, we just, we're a fast-moving people. So it's such a gift to get to slow down and go on hikes, and enjoy adventures together as a family. So so sweet. So we went from South Africa, and then there was a miraculous thing that happened in your life that allowed you guys to go to Israel. So bring us into the journey. Yeah, I, I've been praying for years, like, Lord, if there's more that you want me to carry for your heart for, for Israel, you've got to do it. You've got to do something. And uh, I, I had started wanting to 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 go to Israel, but wanted to go at the right time and with, you know, the, the right people. And and so right before the sabbatical, like a month before, I guess, uh, Dr. Jim Garlow calls me. And so Dr. Garlow um, has led Skyline Church for years. He just retired. Uh, very close friends of ours. They let us have World Mandate West, um, and he, they've been just so great and generous to us. And he has now retired to, to really take his ministry. It's called um, well-versed. So he applies biblical principles to speaking into world leaders' lives. And so he was going to Israel to meet with world leaders and invited me to go with them. And I'm like, wow, how cool, what an honor. I would love to go, Dr. Garlow, but I'm going on sabbatical. I can't do it. And, and he goes, well, Robert, have you been to Israel? And I'm like, crazy enough, because he knows that we, we're always in different nations. I go, crazy enough, I've never been to Israel. He goes, oh my goodness, you've got to start with the walking and, you know, walking with Jesus 
pilgrimage that we do, chronicling his life and the um and he goes, you ought to bring your whole family if y'all are on sabbatical. And then he goes, but I realized that would be so much, so much money to do. And I go, okay, Dr. Carlo, this is so crazy. I'm on, I'm on a prayer walk behind my house here. And I go, this is so crazy because I just got a call from Audrey, my assistant. And she said that we have this massive, miraculous gift that came out in from someone outside of the city uh, to our missions uh, our missions travel account. And, and so I actually said, ha ha, Audrey, that's, that was supposed to, I'm sure that was supposed to go to the building fund. That's way too big. That was for the light project. And she actually talks to Blair and calls the people and it's no, it was for our, well, and, and I look at, I, I figure out in my head, the numbers and it's almost exactly amazing. What the, tra- I mean, so minutes before I've received this call, I'm like, wow. And then boom, Dr. Garlow calls and I'm like, oh, uh, like, God, you're doing something. And so obviously I talked to you, talked to our team, talked to, to our board, and they were like, this is the miraculous open door. And so, bro, we're going to go from South Africa to Israel, and it was horrible. I mean, how many of you know that just because God calls you to something doesn't mean it's going to be easy? Even on sabbatical. True. So, I mean, first of all, the security barely let us through. And I'm, like, looking at us and our four kids, like, do we look like a threat? You know? And, and, um, and, and so we're running to catch the flight. Uh, Hudson's been, gets so sick. And uh, then each one of our kids gets a super high temperature. So, I mean, they are d- doing horrible. And in 21 years of traveling to different nations every year, the past 21 years, I've never lost my luggage once. I lose my luggage. Steph loses her luggage. Hallie lost her luggage. Hudson lost his luggage. Joshua lost his luggage. Jean-Marc, and we even lost our little guitar. Oh. And so it started off, and then so three and a half days in Israel, which is like a desert with the same clothes, right? Could you smell the rain? (laughs) I smelled something else, buddy. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. What was God doing? God met us in Israel. Um, this is one of those times in life, and, and my whole life isn't like this, but this is one of those times, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. You know, I, it already it was a miraculous story to go there, and you're kind of like, what's God going to do? It so superseded our expectations. One of the first days, I mean, all the kids are sick. We, we go up to Mount Carmel where Elijah has the showdown with the prophets of Baal. Remember that, where the, the sacrifice, he's going to do a sacrifice. He tells them to do that. And he says, whoever, whoever's God answers by fire, he's the Lord. First Kings, yes. Yep. And uh, so there's a, a group from America, um, part of Teen Challenge, that went to take people off the streets in Israel with alcohol and drug problems. Well, they had so many people come to Christ that they started a church. And then they were given a piece of land on top of Mount Carmel. And, and then they felt like our call is to, have, is to rebuild the altar of Elijah and have 24-7 prayer and worship in this place for Israel and the nations of the world. Amazing. So we go in, and they're like, we're going to worship. And just to be really get level honest, it was not like my style of worship. You know, I mean, we all have our style of worship. Can I just tell you, you can meet with God when it's not your style of worship. Great point. And so I started, I'm like, uh, and then 30 seconds later, I'm like, boo! And, um, and 
I have this, this clear vision of a waterfall from heaven just coming and pouring over me. And I am, I am like physically feeling the power and presence of God. And it wasn't just me. You know, everyone's starting to feel it in the room. And Dr. Garlow says, God is moving. And he goes, so can I have the pastors in the room? There were six other pastors on this tour of 45 people. He goes, can I have the pastors in the room start, go around and pray, pray for people? And, and I just cratered to my knees and I'm like, Sorry. Not me. <laughs> I'm like, this, this one's for little Robbie. <laughs> Not a pastor today. <laughs> and, and, and I am just there on my knees, and I am just feeling the, the you know, um, advancing the kingdom is, is wonderful, and it's challenging. I'm feeling the pain just being washed off me, the weariness just being taken away, and I'm being restored. And I just start saying, Father, I need your Father's hand on me. I need your Father's blessing. Can I just tell you, no matter how old you get, no matter how long you go, you still need to be a son with your daddy. Okay. You still need to be a daughter with your daddy. And, and then I had this thought like, it would be so cool, Lord, if you showed me your Father's blessing by having Dr. Garla, who's a father in the Lord, you know, he's 30 years older than me, him come and just put his hand on me. But I'm like, that's not going to happen. He's on the other side of the room. I'm here. And plus the pastors are supposed to be ministering to everyone else. Instantly, from I don't know how, his hand's on my back. And I'm like, it's just like God's blessing. And then he puts his hand on my head and just starts praying a Father's blessing. Well, I just melted I just melted, and and that wasn't the only time that I just encountered God in Israel. We we go out on the Sea of Galilee, and the interesting thing is, so many of the people that do the tours out there, they're not Christians. Um, but but we went out on the boat onto the Sea of Galilee by the one Christian boat owner, and his boat is called the Faith Boat. Love it. And so, you know, where other boats are like driving around, and they're like, and to your right is the Tiberius, and the our boat went out, and they said, now we're just going to worship. Oh. So they just crank up the worship music, and again, you know, I'm just crying. And again, this clear vision of Jesus just walking on the water. And he starts calling me out. And he's speaking to me about all these churches that were called a plant from all peoples, but how it's impossible for me. It's impossible for us. It's impossible with man for this little church to do that. But he's saying, I want to give you a gift of faith. I actually didn't even realize. Steph was like, we were on the faith boat. Awesome. You know, sometimes I can be a little slow. <laughs> and, um, and then your wife's like, so did you do it? I'm like, did I do it? She's like, did you walk on water? Like, no, that's like a proverbial. Like, I think he was just, you know. Third sabbatical, third sabbatical. Okay. Great. So there, there's even more, though, even more well, revelation that God was unpacking to you. You know, on that trip, I, you remember I had said, God, if there's something more you want to do, I fell in love. I fell in love with, with Israel and the, the Jewish people. Um, and, and it was like God gave me a lens, Kendall, to see that from Genesis to Revelation, I mean, starting with Abraham, that God called him out and said, I'm going to bless you, and all peoples will be blessed through you. I mean, it's the first time you see our, yep. our, our name. And then it's all, all the way through the Bible. And so all of a sudden, books, I mean, I've studied the Bible for really intensely for 22 years. And I mean, that's what I studied in college. And, but but um, 
it was like books like Amos and Joel and Hosea and Jeremiah. I, I was just re- scouring chapters in the morning, and it was like it was coming out to me. And and this heart for God's people that hasn't hasn't changed, right? And um, this this feeling of of like we need to we need to believe for them. And so it culminates in the second to last day of the trip that uh, Rosemary Schindler Garlow, so if the name Schindler sounds familiar, um, there's a movie called Schindler's List, and it documents Oscar Schindler, who, who saved a couple thousand Jews Re- in, his, in his factory. He was German, but he, was, he saw what was happening. And so Rosemary Schindler Garlow, doctor's Dr. Garlow's wife is is the per, is the family member who uh, represents that family in Israel. So it's there. It's such a, a big deal there, and so she's an expert in in those things. And so she she texts us in the morning and says, "Today is the day we're going to go to the Holocaust Museum." Now you got to understand the majority of our tour was elderly people, and then it's us and our kids. And she's like, "I think three hours in the Holocaust Museum is just too heavy." For your especially your your younger kids, so she goes. I thought about taking you guys to the Jerusalem Zoo, and I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> That's that sounds like a sabbatical. Um, and of course, the Holocaust. You know, we all have studied that, but she was just thinking, you guys are on a break. That's that's so heavy. There's a time for everything. Yeah. Um, and the Jerusalem Zoo is cute because it's supposedly every animal that went on the ark. And uh, wow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, the mercats on the ark with no. Um, but what what happened is is we're having a, a blast looking at all these animals. Steph and I had an opportunity to start asking Rosemary questions, and she starts unpacking something that I've never even heard. And now, subsequently, I've read like three books. I'm in my third extensive book because I'm now researching like crazy. She starts unpacking that when something happens in Israel. Well, let me explain it this way. For almost 2,000 years, the Jewish people didn't have their own land, right? So at 70 AD, once the temple's destroyed and Jerusalem's really obliterated, the, the Jews dispersed around the world, and they don't have their own land for almost 2,000 years. But it's, God's promised them a land. So in, in the early 1900s, in about 1903, they had the first convention of people who were coming back and saying, we actually believe the Jewish people should get to return to their land and be a nation again. And right after that happens, there's a declaration signed in England stating that. It's called the Balfour Declaration. That happens, and then immediately revival is poured out in the church. Wow. In, the, in the Welsh Revival, 1903, it goes to Can- Kansas, Topeka, Kansas, 1904, and then it happens here in Azusa Street, 1906. So that's, oh, that's cool. Well, 1948, Israel gets rebirthed as a nation. 1948, the big tent revivals of America start. Billy Graham, the healing revivals, things like Campus Crusade, the latter rain movement, 1948. 1967, they get Jerusalem back. 1967, the charismatic renewal starts. Fascinating. 1973, Yom Kippur. 1973, the Jesus movement starts. There is this inextricable link between world revival and breakthrough for the people mm-hmm. of Israel. And so obviously, the main thing God's stirring our heart for is revival. So we're like, this is amazing. 
But it's not just that. It's not just revival. It's for the nations to come back. Absolutely. And so Romans 11, like, I, I hadn't gotten this so much. Can we just put Romans 11 up on the screen? Look, look at the, Let's look at this together. It says this. Again, I asked, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? And so I think so many of us are like, well, you know, uh, the, the, the Jews, you know, that, that happened, and then, it, it, you know, have they really turned to the Lord? And, and you know, but now it's, it's just the church. And, but look at what it says. Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. Now, watch this. This is the verse I really want to hone in on. But if their transgression means riches for the world. So when Israel didn't receive Jesus, that meant riches for you and me. Like, I'm a Gentile. I know you, you guys know that I tried to do my blood test. I was like hoping I was part Jew. And then it came back and it's like, you're from Great Britain. Uh, but, but it said like, but it said, yeah, I'm with you, Hannah. Um, but it said like, you might be a little less than 1% Jewish. And I'm like, you didn't okay. didn't get the cool accent though. I'm, 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 I'm hold, thank you. I'm like, so I'm holding out, you know, maybe 1%. And then without even paying any more, they send me an update. They were like, we have your updated right you know, genetic testing, and it's like, things that are ruled out, no Jew, right? <laughs> but it's like, you're so British, you know? Thanks um, for the clarification. <laughs> and, and so I'm a Gentile. And so what happened brought me in to be engrafted. But look at this last thing. I, I had never seen this. If their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? And this understanding that, that it's inextricably connected to revival, but it's inextricably connected to the nations of the world yes. coming back. So we want to believe for, for the Jewish people. We want to believe for Israel. So I just got rocked of, yes, I want to care about this thing that's on your heart, Lord. It's crazy when you even look at where we're planting different churches. There's these large populations of Jewish people a crazy revelation God's revealing to us, and even Del Cero, even Del Cero, <laughs> that's right. Steph, anything to anything to add? I know you have a very powerful personal story from your time in Jerusalem. Yeah, so many sweet moments in Israel, but um, I do want to say, you know, his first encounter on Mount Carmel. So, meanwhile, he's having this open heaven in the church while I'm on the bus with three out of the four of the sick kids. So. <laughs> He comes back on the bus, and I'm like, how was it? He's like, it was incredible. I'm like, of course it was. Um, so you can see who the godly one is. But I was... I'm like, more, more, more for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, hey, we had the presence of God on the bus, too, and I was just so happy to be with my kids, and we struck up a friendship with the bus driver, and he taught me how to make a few recipes from his country, so it was awesome. Okay, my, my, sorry, I got lost in recipe world. Ah, hummus. Okay, <laughs> seriously. Um, That's the slow rise revival of the challah bread we're going to get to taste. <laughs> okay, so I'd, my, I think one of my favorite moments um, in Israel was the day that we went into um, the temple. So the the we temple's didn't go been destroyed. Into the, temple. <laughs> the temple's been destroyed. The first one destroyed, the second one was destroyed, and there was a few stones remaining on the western wall, from the western wall, and so they've built upon that, and so what remains is a western wall, and they also call that the the wailing wall. You write little prayers on a piece of paper, and then you can walk up and stick them on the wall and pray those prayers. So they have a woman's side and a men's side, and so you wait your turn to go up against the wall, and so 
I was waiting my turn and I'm like, you know, what am I going to feel? What's, what is this? What, what am I going to experience? And the moment I, I hit the wall, I just started wailing. And you just so feel the presence of God in that place. And I want to read a scripture um, just to explain maybe what I was feeling that day as I was praying. You know, Solomon had, had uh, built the temple and he was dedicating it to the Lord. And the Lord responded to him. And this is what the Lord said. In First Kings 9, verse 3, he said, I've heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. I have consecrated this temple, which you have built by putting my name there forever. Like that means still today, the name of the Lord. My eyes and my heart will always be there. You could just feel the eyes and the heart of the Lord in that place. It was life-changing. I didn't want to leave. Beautiful. So we have South Africa in some ways looking at everything God's done and kind of a culmination of that. Obviously, this amazing time in Israel, a huge spiritual deposit. And then Hawaii, which was really a time for you guys to totally downshift and get physical rest. But actually, in some ways, you had an experience during that time, Steph, that I think is foreshadowing of things to come. So yeah, bring really us in. tied a lot of things together for us in the trip. So uh, some of our last few days, we were on the big island, and um, there's a city called Kona, and there's um, in the city of Kona, uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission, um, has a base and a missions organization um, that many of us love and know. And um, and so we we weren't going to have a car on Sunday. And so Robert was, we were only going to have a car for a couple days. So Robert looked up on the website, hey, is there a service at YWAM while we have this car, rental car? And so it just so happened there was. And so we thought, great, we can go. We wanted to be with the people of God that week. And so um, and so we, we headed to Kona. And, you know, we didn't know what we were going to. We thought maybe it's a 30-person prayer meeting, or we, we really didn't know what it was. But we were just excited to head there and worship as a family. And so um, we, you know, we get to the parking lot, and uh, we see, wow, there's, like, a lot of people coming to this this service. Like, I wonder what's going on. And then we're like, wow, there's really a lot of people. People are kind of streaming in. And, um, and so I'm meeting this lady on the way in. I'm saying, hi, you know, what's your name? We're talking. And all of a sudden, I'm like about to cry. And I'm like, okay, bye. I hear the worship going. And Lindy Konitz there leading worship. She's with the Circuit Riders. And you guys know she was with us at World Mandate West um, for the afternoon session leading worship. So powerful. And so I, we hear her. And I mean, I'm just, you know, tears just start to fall. And so Oh, I don't know. I'm already crying. So we walk up, and um, they have this outdoor pavilion. And then they have seats kind of lining the outside of it because what we see is that this place is packed with young people. Like probably over 1,500 high schoolers have gathered. And what this is is they had been out on a week um, of outreach, and now they were coming back together to celebrate what God had done. And Lindy was leading them in worship, and then there was um, going to be uh, a preacher sharing a message after that. And and so we just began to cry, and we could just feel the presence of God there in that place as we worshiped. Well, all of a sudden, we're, we're sitting there. Now, we're not under the covering of the pavilion. We're right on the edge of it. 
and a slow rain begins to fall. And I, you know, at first I'm like, oh, wow, it's raining. I kept it hadn't out. rained the whole time we were there. And then it didn't rain at all afterwards. And so I, I look up and, and I'm like, okay, it's a cloud. I'm like, you know, it'll pass. I'm like, no big deal. We'll just stay here. Not a big deal. Light, just a light, tender rain. And then after a little bit, I kept looking up like, it's not stopping. That cloud's not moving. And so, you know, I'm, I mean, meanwhile, it's so powerful. Like the worship's going, but I'm just like, this rain, like what is going on? Like this just feels so significant and prophetic. And I looked, I looked down, you know, there's six of us. So I looked down the row to watch if my kids are being bothered by this light rain. And I just see my kids just fully engaged with worship, like so engaged. And then I look and I see my youngest at the end of the row and he's sitting there in his chair. He had sat down and, and he has both arms out like this, just receiving, like rocking back and forth. And he's getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Later we asked him like, what was going on? He's like, I just felt the fire of God. My kids didn't care about the rain. They were just experiencing the presence of God. It was such a prophetic picture. And I, I want to read the scripture of what I feel like was um, what was going on. Isaiah 45, 8, it says, You heavens rain down my righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness flourish it. I, the Lord, have created it. You know, we hit back home, and Kendall has this prophetic word about the slow rain revival. It was a prophetic picture of what's happening in our midst. God is releasing this slow rain revival. We stand up. Amen. You know, in a healthy family, if one person gets a gift, then the rest of the kids get to share it, right? And God just took myself and Steph and our children on, a, on an adventure, and he gave us some wonderful gifts. And you might not have been there with us, but you're part of our family. And uh, if you feel comfortable today, why don't you close your eyes and just open your hands. And I want to pray that the gifts that we received, that you would feel that gentle rain start falling on you, and that you would feel the hand of the Father on you. Father, I thank you for taking us on a journey, on a journey to see, wow, you're really using our spiritual family around the world. And Father, I pray that my friends in this room would have a moment where they go, oh, wow, God is doing, it's something so much bigger than just me and my little house, my little neighborhood, my little friendship group, or even in the city of San Diego. But we're a part of something now. You are moving like never before. Not just, and I'm definitely not just talking about all people's church. Like there is a move of God going around the world. And Lord, I pray you to open our eyes to see it. And to know that we can be right in the middle of it. And then, God, we, we thank you for your people. And we thank you for the amazing things that are happening with the Jewish people and with Israel. And we just want to carry your heart the way you want us to carry it, Lord. There's, there's so many complications and, 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 and so many things we see on the news. But, Lord, we just want your heart. Your heart for your people. And, and then, Lord, we want to see revival 
We want to see revival. Lord, not just a, a, a glimpse in Kona, Hawaii, but we want to see a youth revival in San Diego. Lord, I thank you for what just happened in youth camp. But, Lord, we're not just asking for 70 students. We're asking for 700 students. We're asking for 7,000 students. We're asking for 70,000 young people in San Diego being revived. Why not bring the next Jesus movement, Lord? Why not scores of young people coming to know you? And then it resulting, just as we heard in that message, what they were talking about is in the Jesus movement, 100,000 people went around the world sharing about the glory of God, but we believe the next movement would be 200,000. Lord, we're asking for a greater movement. Lord, the great movement of the church being revived and then sharing your good news around the nations of the world. Lord, it's a great time to be alive, and we want to be fully revived in it and fully with you in it. We ask in Jesus' name.